0: good morning and welcome to another episode of crime over coffee we're your hosts i'm abby and i'm erica today i'm going to tell you the story about the 1976 chowchilla
1: kidnapping so hit up your local coffee shop and support small businesses
0: Our story starts on July fifteenth, 1976, in California's Central Valley in Chowchilla, California. 26 summer school students were swimming at the community pool on a hot and sunny day when around 4 p.m., bus driver Ed Ray goes to pick up all the kids. The kids' ages are all between 5 and 14. Ed picked the kids up and was taking the kids back to the school when he came across a white van blocking part of Avenue 21 on the south side of town. He slowed down to see if the people were having trouble or why they were stopped in the middle of the road and blocking it. When he slowed down, three men wearing pantyhose masks and carrying guns jumped out and told him to stop the bus. It was at this point where the men took over the entire bus with the 26 children and bus driver Ed Ray on it.
1: I wonder if that episode of Criminal Minds that has the same scenario is based off this. Ooh, that's a good point, Abby. The
0: men drove the bus with the children and the driver still on board to a nearby slough. Uh, what's that? It is defined as an intermittent stream obscured by bamboo and other vegetation, so kind of like a swampy area, basically. The men forced the students and the driver, Ed, into the two white vans that they were driving, and they abandoned the bus at the slough. The children and the bus driver were stuck in the back of the vans for an 11-hour drive with no water no bathroom breaks, and the windows blacked out so they could not see where they were going. It was reported that some of the children were throwing up due to feeling car sick and so they were all just sitting in the back of the van in everybody's vomit, and if anybody had to go to the bathroom, they were just kind of all back there in that, which I can't even imagine what that smelled like. I looked, and on this day
1: in particular, it was like over 100 degrees out. 11 hours is a really long drive for an abduction that large.
0: I agree. And I cannot figure out where the 11 hours comes from. And I'll kind of go into that because I'm going to tell you where they take them. And it makes no sense for the 11 hours of a drive. So they had to have just driven them around for some reason. Hmm. And I don't know if it was to confuse them about where they were or what it is. But we'll, yeah, I'll kind of go into that. The older ones on the bus, we're really trying to kind of keep things positive and distract the younger children from crying, because they were all upset, obviously. Um, was the bus driver still with them as well? The bus driver was still with them, so he was trying to keep the kids happy. I mean, it's 26 kids and two white vans, so only one van had the bus driver in it, and so the other van was just the older kids. So they were singing songs like, If You're Happy and You Know It, and Love Will Keep Us Together, which I thought that If You're Happy and You Know Clap Your Hands was a little odd. I bet nobody clapped. I, I was just like, when I was reading about it, I said, ironically, they were singing this song. But I'm like,
1: is this? I guess. I mean, at five years old, you can make them think it's just like some trip or something, some you know?
0: Game or something. Yeah, I
1: think. I mean, as it would obviously, you. C- I'm sure they could sense all the fear in everybody that was older in there. But I think for the younger ones, it was probably helpful to be doing that and almost maybe helpful for the older kids to be comforting the younger ones because it's kind of taking their mind off the situation.
0: Yeah, I and I think that's really all they were trying to do was just distract them in any way possible. I think they wanted them to know that they were in a serious situation, but they were also like, let's try not to just have you guys crying the entire time. So I'm going to jump over to Dairyland Elementary School, which was where these kids were from. And the families of the kids were waiting at the school for that bus to arrive back.
1: I was just getting ready to ask that. Like, 11 hours is a long time. They have to know these people are missing. They do. So I'm going to go to that now. The families are calling the school, trying to
0: figure out what's going on. Because they're like, this bus didn't return back. Like, my kids aren't here. Where are they? So the school's like, maybe the bus broke down somewhere on the way home. So... And remember, this was in 1976, so they wouldn't have probably had, I don't know if they would
1: have had the radios in the buses back then, and there wouldn't have been cell phones for the the bus driver to, like, call. I would be surprised if they didn't have some type of radio. I mean, it's not like, I mean, there were obviously radios around, then. I just wonder, I don't know the evolution of school buses and when they started implementing all that stuff. Yeah, I have no idea. So I don't know if they thought
0: it was weird that the bus hadn't, like, called in anything or... It was also summer. There might not have been anybody manning the other end of the radio. So, somebody from the school decided to drive the route that the bus would have taken, but they couldn't find them. So, by 6 o'clock that night, the Chowchilla police were notified and they began to search. So, about two hours after the bus had been picked up is when the search started. About two hours later, around 8 p.m., a deputy found the abandoned bus but could not find the children or the bus driver. They began to investigate to find where the kids went, and they found tire tracks leading away from the slough, but they couldn't find any other evidence, so that was really all that they had to go on. On July 16th, at some point in the early morning, the vans carrying the children and the bus driver stopped at a rock quarry in Livermore, which is only about 100 miles from Chowchilla. So not 11 hours, not 11 hours, but I did look it up and Chowchilla and Livermore. So they're a hundred miles apart. And so for reference, that's about an hour and 37 minutes to go from one to the other. So definitely not 11 hours. So I have no idea what they were doing for 11 hours.
1: Yeah. And if it was 11 hours without stops, wait, would they've even had enough gas to do that
0: they must have stopped for gas or something i have no idea i'm sure they had to have that's a lot of hmm, i have no idea that's what it said and i like double checked that because i was like is this a typo but i checked it in multiple places and they all said that they drove for 11 hours also i don't know exactly where they got that time period from because they were in a van but that's the time period that they have about 11 hours once they arrived in livermore at this rock quarry the kidnappers took down the names of all of the children in an item of clothing from each of them and then made them climb into a van that was buried beneath the ground. So they had previously gone in there, dug out this huge spot in
1: the ground, and put this van in there. I'm, like, trying to even understand what kind of crime is happening. Like, why did they take so many kids? What is the purpose? I assume you're going to I mean, get there, but my I'll get there. I'm trying, I'm turning my wheels and I'm like, what is the purpose of this? And that's my only thing is like, you're going to try to like sell the kids into some type of trade. Yeah, I'll get into that. The
0: van that was buried beneath the ground was an old Allied Van Lines removal van and I'm not exactly... It's not, I think it's a company because it kind of comes into play a little bit later. But this van was underneath the ground and ventilated by two tubes and had a few dirty mattresses and box springs. There was some food in there, including cereal, peanut butter, bread, and water. But it was reported that it was barely enough for one meal. So I'm not sure why they didn't put it in there, I guess. But also, I would like to talk for a second about why do you think that they took down the names of all the children, and then an item of clothing from each. Because when I was researching it, that was something that I kind of stuck on for a few minutes. And I was like, I, I mean, I knew I'd get to it, but I was kind of like, what are
1: they doing? Is this going to, my, I'm starting to think maybe it's going to turn into some type of ransom thing. Okay. Contacting the families. Okay. So you know who to contact and ask for money from. I think that could be an option. The piece of clothing, I think maybe as proof that you have them. If you were to do a ransom, okay. I don't. I have no idea where the story is going, because I've not heard it before. But I, Erica's looking at me, and I'm thinking I'm not right. <laughs> oh no, I'm just I'm looking at you
0: because I was just seeing how similar our thought process. What was your thought process? I had a similar thought process. I was like because that would kind of make sense to take down the names to be like, hey, I have these kids. Yeah, and I'll, I'll get to why they did but, that later.
1: I mean, also like people who commit crimes like this all have their weird things. They all have, like, their little habits that they do that makes things specific signature. That's the word I was going for. But it could be something like that, too. Like, I need to know their names, and the clothing could be, like, a souvenir. I did think about the souvenir for the clothing as well. That was my other thought process with it. The names,
0: I didn't... I was, like, the only thing I think of with the names is Ransom. Or maybe they were just some weird killer of some sort that liked to take the names of all their Mm -hmm. victims. I I mean, it, it does happen, so... Once everyone was inside, the kidnappers closed the van roof, making it pitch black inside, and then shoveled dirt on top of the van, burying the hostages alive.
1: So, I'm trying to get, like, a visual of what's going on here. They had a hole in the ground, and they basically put parked the van in it, and all the kids and stuff were still in the van?
0: Yeah, so they already previously had buried the van there, and so i don't know how they got the van there so it's not the van that they're driving
1: so they transfer them into this makeshift bunker thing
0: yes okay they're like all right everybody out of these two white vans everybody crawl down into this little hole Mm -hmm. and chill in there and good luck okay basically in the van there was nowhere for them to go to the bathroom and the children were still throwing up and it was still just really gross inside this van So we'll post a picture of the inside of the van on our social media. And a picture of the van where it was like buried.
2: The mystery has been solved. Here at Crime Over Coffee, our go-to caffeinated beverage for every episode is Fire Department Coffee. And you can get some as well and save 15% with our exclusive coupon code CRIMEPOD15
0: After the children were buried, the kidnappers left to go get some sleep in their hideout, which I just think is crazy. They're like, all right, we just buried 27 people alive. I could use a nap. (laughs) And they leave the site? Yeah, they left the place. So they're literally just buried alive in this van with a little bit of ventilation tubes.
1: Wow. I'm still trying to figure out the purpose of this. And there's three perpetrators, right? Yeah, that's correct. There were three people
0: that took over the bus
1: with the guns. So,
0: the plan that these kidnappers had was to call the Chowchilla Police Department in the morning after they woke up so that they could demand a ransom ah. of $5 million. Aha! <laughs> yes. And they had this idea in their head that the state would pay this because they would recently announced a budget surplus. And so, they're like, cool. The, bud- or the state will pay for this. We're all good. Hmm. So they had taken the names of the children and the driver so that they could prove who they'd taken into their custody. And if they needed more proof, they had the clothing items Mm -hmm. of the children to send and say, hey, look, we really do have them because this is what you sent your kid to the community pool in. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, there just really wasn't any other possibility, I think, that made sense for why three guys would get together and take an entire bus full of kids.
0: Yes. But I also, when I was researching it, I was kind of having that same thought. I was like, you know, a lot of this isn't making sense. But then I reminded myself that a lot of criminals Mm -hmm. don't always try to make sense. They have this thing in their head that thinks they're making sense. I
1: know, but for three of them to come together and formulate this plan and have the same thoughts and execute it, it's too specific, I think, for it to just be how a, a serial killer would be acting i do agree it was a little weird mm-hmm.
0: how it like all played out so the morning of july 16th after the kidnappers got their nice nap in they decided to work on calling the police department but they couldn't get through because there were so many concerned parents it was a small like area so reporters were going insane i mean 27 people had just been kidnapped it was a huge thing it's all over the news so they couldn't even get into the police department to place their ransom There was, I mean, with all the, there were people calling in with tips and all of this stuff. So Mm -hmm. I just think that's crazy that they couldn't even, it's also a little almost funny in a way, like that they had this goal and it's like, you can't even do what you're trying to act out. Just let the kids go and move on. Yeah. (laughs) However, there was one kid in the van that was underground and he was 14 year old, Mike Marshall, and he decided that he was going to try to get everyone out of the van he was like you know what i am not going down without a fight and i'm one of the older ones here so i'm gonna just take care of it so with the help of the driver ed ray and some of the older kids that were in the van they decided to stack the mattresses high enough to reach the opening of the van and they used wooden beams that they had broken from the box springs as leverage to move the items that were blocking the way out because they would put a steel plate on top of the van, the entrance that they had gone in, and on top of the steel plate to weigh it down were two tractor batteries to help keep it weighed down and three feet worth of dirt. Jeez. They dug through the dirt, moved the tractor batteries, which they th- said that they were really heavy. I don't know how heavy a tractor battery is, but I know that a lot of batteries are heavy. And so I'm assuming Oh yeah, a tractor one's probably heavier.
1: Especially when it's something above you that you're having to push that's... A lot.
0: Yeah. So they were able to get out to the surface and they helped all the kids get out of the van. And it had been about 16 hours that they had been underground before they climbed out. They started walking with the hopes to find someone to help them. And after walking for a short period of time, a quarry security guard recognized them and called the police. One of the kids in the van actually has a quote about it her name is jody heffington medrano and she said quote after all of us were out he we started walking a man drove up and said oh my god you're those kids end quote and so i just thought it was cool that he was like paying attention and knew what was going on and was able to just like recognize them without them even
1: having to explain what was going on well from what you said with how publicized it was i'm not surprised
0: yeah So, 36 hours after the bus was taken over, the children were reunited back with their families, but now authorities had to find the people who had taken the kids. Authorities started looking with known criminals from the area, but that quickly led to a dead end. So, they interviewed the bus driver, and I kind of thought this was a little cool. They have him go see a hypnotist, if they can help draw out any memories that he had from the day that they were kidnapped. When he was under hypnosis, he was able to remember the entire license plate from one of the vans and part of the other license plate and so that was enough to give the police a good idea of where to look i'd say they were able to trace the van back to fred woods who was 24 years old and he was the son of the quarry owner and so they started to look into fred woods they got a search warrant to search fred woods's father's estate and found pretty much all of the evidence that they needed They found the detailed plan of the kidnappers, and like I said, the kidnappers had never had the opportunity to place the ransom, so they also found the ransom note. So I'm going to read the ransom note to you, but the ransom note that I found is a picture of it, and it's got like burn marks or something on it, so like the edges are a little hard to read, so I can only read, I can read most of it, but there's little pieces that I can't read very well. But it says, your bus has been kidnapped put two and a half million dollars in each of the suitcases. And then I can't read it. And then it says, use old bills. Have ready at the Oakland police station. Further instructions pending until 10.05 p.m. We are bub It's B-E-E-L-S-A-B-U-B. And then it says 5 p.m. Sunday. And then Take suitcases to Oakland International Airport. Have CHP plane pick up and transfer some at approximately a thousand feet above ground level to Santa Cruz. Direct, then follow Highway 17 back to Oak International. Speed should be approximately 120 miles per hour. Estimated ground speed. Call something at other home. I think it says red. Fred calls and delivers final message. Watch for lights. Red, green, blue, red, green, blue, white. Then drop. Return to Oak International.
1: End message. Erica, what in the literal F did you just read me? <laughs> I have that was the
0: messiest thing I've ever heard. No idea. And I'll post a picture of it on our social media for you guys to, like, look at, too. And like I said, there's little pieces that I can't read. But really, the only things I can't read are some of the, like, times I can't read. There's, like, a word or two after it. I think it says Sunday at one
1: point. At some point, did they ask them to deliver something while in the air? I think so. (laughs) It said, have CHP plane pick up and
0: transfer some or same at approximately... It does, like, the little two Mm -hmm. squiggle lines... 1,000 feet above ground level to Santa Cruz direct.
1: Okay. Well, I do wonder about the education level of the pe- the perpetrators now because that wasn't very clear or grammatically correct.
0: Well, and I'm not sure. So it says that it's the ransom note and it, sa- it says it's a draft. So I'm wondering if maybe this was them like writing out their notes almost about what to say and they were just kind of gonna make a conversation kind of like when we make our script for the podcast you know and oh gosh
1: <laughs> <laughs> someone try to read mine it would be a mess
0: yes so i think maybe that's what it is i don't know i also don't know what Bezelbub is you don't know what a Beazlebub is i don't actually and I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I'll post it on our social media. You guys tell me what you think it says, but I tried to do the best that I could. After they had found all of this evidence against Fred Woods, they're like, all right, we need to go after him. But we know that the two other people were involved, so let's make some guesses. And I couldn't find exactly the process of how it worked, but they discovered that the two people that were involved with Fred were Jim and Richard Schoenfeld. And... Brothers? Yes. So, Jim was 24 and Richard was 22. Which also, as I was researching this, I thought was crazy because that's our age. Mm -hmm. And I I just couldn't imagine kidnapping a bus full of people at this age.
1: Or (laughs) any... You should really wait till you're about 35 to do that, guys.
0: (laughs) That's not quite what I meant, Abby. I just meant, like, I just couldn't imagine having that thought process and, like, carrying something out like that.
1: This is not about true crime but this goes with your age thing because I think about this all the time and I know you don't really necessarily watch like professional sports a lot but I watch them and they'll show the age and like people that like NFL players some of them will be like 24 and I'm like can you imagine being that high profile and doing something like that at our age that is insane I think it's crazy or even just like I mean like the well-known college basketball players it's wild to me that it's just such a different it's such a far reach of a lifestyle for me that I'm ever going to get to obtain that my mind can't even process it and it's the same with like celebrities I do kind of think it's crazy to think about like people our age doing certain
0: things I don't know I don't know that there's a certain age though that it becomes okay but it's just weird <laughs> So their plan was to get the money and they needed it because they had, the three of them had some losses from a real estate project that they had done together.
1: They clearly had some type of background or something in like construction. I don't know. Their processes were so bizarre. Like their creation of that little bunker thing they made was such a bizarre way to go about stuff that I was like, how did you get there?
0: I do agree. It's super weird that they like they had a plan this for a while and they buried an entire van for 27 people wild and it's just like what so jim richard and fred soon learned through the media because it's everywhere at this point that the children had escaped so they weren't even like checking in on the kids they just learned through the media and so they were like the police are going to be coming after us so they decide to go on the run but they kind of decide to go their own separate ways almost Mm -hmm. so fred flew to vancouver in canada and checked into a motel using a false name and jim had planned to drive and meet fred in vancouver but he was acting really suspicious and so the border guards denied his entry into canada they're like nah america can have you whoop (laughs) so richard decided that he was like you know i'm 22 i still kind of want a little bit of A chance, so he turns himself in, and Jim found out that Richard had turned himself in, so he was like, You know what? My brother did, I'll go turn myself in as well. So, at this point, they really just needed to find Fred, and Fred being the genius that he was, I sent some
1: sarcasm.
0: Yeah, it was a little bit of sarcasm, but him being the genius that he was writes a letter to a friend back home from this motel he's staying at in Canada and lets his friend know, hey, this is my new alias, but I'm actually Fred Woods.
1: <laughs> One, that's, yeah, a very genius move. Two, I am hoping that he wasn't your friend anymore after all this, because if I found out you kidnapped a bunch of young schoolchildren, I would probably be like, mm, don't talk to me, really. <laughs> I agree. Probably not the best person to stay friends with, but, you know, whatever.
0: Not smart. And you think with all the planning that went into the kidnapping in the first place that he would have had been a little bit smarter and maybe even.
1: Maybe he just was not the brains of the operation. He must not have been.
0: So all three of the men were arrested at this point and charged with the kidnappings of the 26 students and the bus driver. And they all pled guilty to it. And they were sentenced to life in prison without parole but something changed they you know do people ever stay in prison for things
1: i'm learning that they don't yeah honestly when you said they got life my first instinct was oh like good but i'm surprised but i guess they would be getting charged so many counts for the amount of children they had there were so many there was 27 people that they kidnapped and just for kidnapping that's the 27 counts, not to mention other charges that will obviously go along with that.
0: I'm assuming that there was probably some attempted murder charges uh, and like
1: endangering a child, yeah. all that kind of stuff.
0: Another thing that I think is really strange Fred was urging one of his friends to write a script about the crime, and Fred and Richard and Jim had all planned to make a movie about their crime. And there was like the letter from 1976 that they found with Fred telling his friend, you need to write a script. And this was his quote that he said in the letter. I think it would make a damn good movie of the week, if not a feature. It's big, real big, and a hot item everybody wants to know about. If you do make it into a film, all I want is a percentage
1: of the money. It's um insensitive, I think is the best word. I think it's super insensitive. And... In- it doesn't sound like they have any remorse for what they did.
0: No, that letter was written before they went to prison, though. So, but it still just seems crazy. Like, who wants to... No. <laughs> Terrible <laughs> idea. You don't commit a crime and then be like, hey, you should make a movie about it. <laughs> yeah, it's that something you hear a lot. I don't know. I just think it's ridiculous. But I did find out that with the looking through this, so in um, this is re- being recorded in 2020, And turns out that Richard was released on parole in 2012 and is still out. And Jim was released on parole in
1: 2015 and he's still out. They're probably what, in their 70s, 80s? Because they were 24 and seven. This happened in 76. 76 and they were 24. So around there. So they are quite a bit older.
0: In October of 2019, Fred had a parole hearing. And I had a lot of trouble finding the results of that, but I ended up finally finding it. And it was that, and the parole board decided not to release him yet, and to set his next parole hearing for 2024. So he'll be 72 at that time. And they are talking about how... The So the board chairman said, quote, Despite his age, Mr. Woods is still committing his criminal behavior. He chooses not to follow the rules of this institution, end quote. Yeah,
1: that's a big thing for uh, prisoners getting released. Like, y- if you're misbehaving in prison, heck no, they're not going to let you out. I agree. And
0: I, I did find... So he was actually, like, running businesses behind bars there. And he ended up suing an employee of his for one and a half million dollars and... He was doing, I believe he was running, so he was running a three businesses, the Ambria Acres Christmas Tree Farm in California, the Little Bear Creek Gold Mine, and a
1: used car business with a warehouse filled with vehicles. How? I have no idea. I just like didn't know you could do that if you were in prison.
0: So I found that in California, that's not actually legal as long as you have the warden's permission. But he never had the warden's permission. And so it was like kept quiet for a while. Mm -hmm. But a worker of his had an accident. And it caused his business operations to really start to unravel. And they found out everything that was going on. It was a person that managed all three businesses for Fred. And he injured his back, neck, and shoulder at the Little Bear Creek mine. And so he needed surgery. And Fred was like, that's not my problem. And so the employee was like, uh, that's not okay, so he filed a claim, and then they found out that he was hiring employees and running a business from prison, and that wasn't okay. Another weird thing about Fred is that he has not really tried to just be in prison. He's tried to find a way to enjoy it, and so he's had four wives, and three of them he married in prison, Hmm. which is super interesting, and he had a trust fund from his parents, so his his family was super rich. And he bought an Ocean View mansion, which sits mostly vacant, because, I mean, who's going to live there? But it's only 30 minutes from the prison, and it's worth $1.5 million. I'm trying to figure out why he needed $5 million if he has all of this other money. In 2016, there was a civil suit where... Most of Fred's trust fund went to the survivors of the Chowchilla kidnapping. There were 25 surviving children in 2016, and all 25 of them were given a settlement amount. And one of the survivors said, quote, it's enough to pay for some serious therapy, but not enough to buy a house, end quote. So I am glad that they got some sort of compensation for it because I know a lot of them when I was researching it were talking about how much they all were suffering from PTSD and a lot of them had like been on drugs and tried to find ways to cope with being buried alive and kidnapped. And so it's nice that they have a little bit of money to kind of help with that. But I mean, it'll obviously never fully repay everything that happened. There is an entire documentary on 48 Hours if you guys want to go and watch that, it goes into the details of all of this as well. And this was released actually last year in October around the time of this of Fred's parole hearing. Because I wanted to talk to all the survivors of the kidnapping and just to kind of get what's going on with them. And to get their side of the story and to talk about how they felt about Fred being released. So on our social media, I'm going to post some photos of the kidnapping. Um, There'll be a photo of all of the kids that were there. I'm going to post a photo of Mike Marshall in 2019. And that's, like I said, the guy that rescued them. So keep it out for those. And thanks for listening.
2: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Crime Over Coffee. You can find us on Instagram at Crime Over Coffee or on Facebook at Crime Over Coffee Podcast, where all of our photo and video content for each episode can be found.